Welcome to the Alliance Live podcast, spotlighting emerging issues, examples of good practice and innovation taking place within health and social care in Scotland. Hello and welcome to this Alliance Live and Integration Insights podcast. Today I'm joined by Anne Callahan from the Campaign to End Loneliness. We'll be discussing COVID-19, loneliness and the importance of social connections. Hello and welcome Anne. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from? My name's Anne Callahan. I'm campaign manager for the Campaign to End Loneliness and I'm based in Glasgow. Uh, my focus is the loneliness that older people face in Scotland because we know that loneliness can have profound impacts on your mental and physical health. If you're single, you live alone, it's the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day and that can impact on uh, as I said, your mental and physical health, it can lead to increased blood pressure. It can, in kind of chronic cases, lead to kind of cognitive uh, decline. And um, it kind of links into kind of lots of kind of cardiovascular issues. And there is definitely kind of correlation with uh, kind of depression and anxiety. That sounds like loneliness. It not only has the sort of mental impact that people associate with it, but a real physical impact as well. Exactly. I think for a long time, people associated loneliness as being just one of those things that happened. It was just a kind of part of, of life. And I think the, the, the kind of research that the kind of academics did that highlighted that there is this kind of mental and physical health toll of, of loneliness at a kind of chronic level helped wake health professionals and the third sector and society as a whole up to the impact that that kind of loneliness has. I mean, to my very great shame, many decades ago, I remember my gran telling me about uh, how she felt when her friends were dying and how uh, sort of lonely she felt as a result of that. And I didn't really truly understand the impact of you know, before you'd have people who you'd have like a shorthand with, you'd kind of enjoy doing the kind of same things together. And in some ways, her exhaustion at the thought of kind of starting uh, that sort of that whole kind of process up again. So I think it's been really important for society to kind of wake up to uh, that, that loneliness is a construct. It's the way in which our society has been uh, kind of designed and it's been around uh, with us for a very long time. Anyone can experience loneliness. It isn't something that, that is particular to, to, to kind of older people, but it's something that people feel at different points in life. And there's lots of different transition points along the way that can make you more um, susceptible to loneliness. So, you know, for older people, there might be a kind of cascade of things that happen uh, kind of around the same time. You know, when someone retires, their kind of self-identity uh, kind of may, may detach before they did a certain job and that was their identity and that was what they did. And then retirement happened and it was like, what, what do I do now? And because society, I think, judges older people particularly harshly, this kind of ageism, it can eat away at, at, at kind of someone's uh, kind of self-confidence and, and how society then interacts uh, kind of with, with older people. You also have things like bereavement uh, as well. And, and I think the kind of great tragedy of, of kind of COVID is it's going to profoundly affect the way that people experience bereavement, either directly as a result of losing people to COVID or people losing their lives through, through other uh, sort of kind of illnesses or, or, or things that, that happen because the bereavement process will be affected because, you know, funerals won't be the, the same. Um, we won't be able to comfort people potentially in, in the same way, you know, touch is really um, kind of important for people. So the thought of not being able to kind of hug people when when they've kind of experienced uh, profound loss if they're in different different households or if we're still in this degree of lockdown, 
I think kind of profoundly affects people and, and exacerbates that sense of uh, aloneness and, and, and kind of loneliness. Um, and then you've got kind of ill health. So there's been a lot of work that the World Health Organizations, uh, World Health Organization and others have, have, have done that highlights that there's a real correlation between um, kind of poverty and the experience of, of, of loneliness. So in Scotland, the Scottish Household Survey uh, did some work sort of last year that, that basically revealed that right across the age, age course, that if you experience poverty, you were twice more likely to experience um, sort of loneliness. And if you had a long-term condition, long-term health condition, you were twice more likely to kind of experience loneliness together. And we know there's a huge interplay between having a long-term condition and experience poverty. So you've got like, you know, a double whammy uh, of those things. So it's a real, it's a choice by society, I think, to kind of really, really focus on supporting people not to feel um, lonely over over kind of a, lo a longer period of time you know loneliness is, is part of who we are as kind of humans it's kind of built into the brain you know it makes us kind of you know amend our behavior and kind of reach out reach out to, to, to kind of others it's part of that evolutionary kind of Im imperative but the kind of problem is is that um, you know particularly for older people or people with mobility or disability issues when you don't have for example transport that kind of enables people to kind of get from A to B to C then you're kind of restricting people in terms of enabling them to kind of get around. So at the moment we're in lockdown, we're all we may all be essentially experiencing what some people at the more profound end of loneliness have been experiencing for quite, for quite some time. I think that's really interesting what, the, what you were just saying about susceptibilities, different factors which may make loneliness more predominant or uh, being at greater risk of experiencing it. You've also sort of linked it there into COVID-19 and the lockdown. I was wondering, have you encountered an increase in loneliness since the lockdown periods began? There, there uh, I think Mental Health Foundation had uh, kind of done a survey sort of earlier in April and there were definitely kind of higher levels of loneliness. That, well, let's take a step back. Loneliness is defined as the gap between the meaningful connections you've got and the ones that you that, that you have. So it's about the quality and the quantity of, of what you've got. If you're single, as I kind of said before, and that's, you know, I live kind of on my own. My interaction with people has profoundly changed as a result of COVID. So, you know, I might see my neighbours, but I'm not seeing friends. I'm not seeing family. The normal everyday things I would be doing aren't available um sort of kind of currently so what that's i think what's then happening is people are then left to their own kind of internal um sort of resources and you know i talked about some of the external sort of factors around things like transport um and kind of technology which we'll probably kind of circle back to but there are some intrinsic things uh that, that kind of have an impact in terms of different personality types so you know if someone experiences social anxiety that can mean that they're hyper vigilant to social cues which they may misinterpret um, you know because we um, as humans we process thousands of bits of information and we make judgments about people very very quickly in like nanoseconds and when someone's kind of experiencing kind of social anxiety and experiencing kind of profound uh, sort of loneliness over kind of long periods of time or, or for kind of greater intensity they become become hyper vigilant to social cues that they may misinterpret as being um you know evidence of, of kind of rejection or um they may go into like a social 
um, sitting and imagine that they're going to be rejection and the fear of rejection is uh it, it, it's it's kind of paralyzing i think because there's such a huge mental impact to people if they've taken the mental sort mm -hmm. of step forward and trying to kind of reach out to someone and it feels like rejection it can be mm -hmm. absolutely um kind of devastating so through covid there might be a lot of people who you know have been kind of left to their own devices and one of the things you know there's a, a piece of work that um we're kind of doing with the university college london looking at the kind of the psychology of of, of loneliness mm -hmm. and some of the things that they're talking about is, is you know as, as i was kind of describing um kind of social cues and how people kind of interpret things how rumination is you know something that that can be very damaging for for people so something's happened say something's happened through covid where someone feels like i don't have anyone to rely on i'm on my own i'm stuck in my own thoughts and then it's how they then interpret that what they think that says about them as as kind of human beings because one of the most invidious parts of loneliness is it can drain away your sense of self and how you think others perceive you uh as as well so you know the way through that is trying to help people build up um this belief in themselves this self-confidence self-esteem this concept of self-efficacy the um the belief in that if you kind of you can achieve different things and that could be anything from i've just washed the dish today uh to i managed to get out of bed today or in some cases not mine i've learned another language or or i've kind of developed another skills or kind of through through this time there'll be a lot of people i think that will be beating themselves up that you know they haven't learned a new skill during during this time but actually i think if we survive it and get through it and are healthy i think i think that's an achievement in, in and of itself as opposed to these amazing people who do manage to kind of you know use their time in, in uh, what's termed a productive productive way i completely agree with you on that point uh, i think at the start i thought i was going to come out of this as some sort of super skilled wonder woman which uh, unfortunately is not the case um but <laughs> please please to hear that's other people's experience of the lockdown as well um, you mentioned something earlier which i thought was very interesting the idea that um loneliness is, is a societal issue and i was wondering how does a covid society or a post-covid society tackle loneliness then um are there, are there particular steps or the actions or things you're encountering that are happening that are really positively responding and combating it i think um we kind of mentioned the issue of technology and one of the kind of interesting things is the way people are still trying to connect so on, online so the rise of zoom and and kind of facetimes and and sort of other things but then what it what it then sort of reminds of us all of is the kind of the massive technological gap that, that there is for many people that, that kind of links into kind of issues of poverty again i think kind of scottish government people have, have estimated somewhere in the region of eight hundred thousand people are in su to some degree or another uh, digitally excluded so imagine having gone through these many weeks that we've gone through without being able to kind of do this that you're kind of stuck in on your own if you are living alone you may see the the kind of the occasional neighbor if you're lucky but you're kind of stuck in your own your own thoughts so um if this is continuing and one of the, the things i'm i'm kind of quite worried about is you know there's different theories that are being kind of floated that you know perhaps some parts of society will be allowed to unlock uh and then those who are kind of 
um, mm-hmm. kind of more kind of vulnerable or, or you know, when they're saying over 70s or, or, or those with um, kind of underlying vulnerabilities should, should shelter for longer is we risk creating a kind of two-tier, um, you know, society, I, probably at the best of intentions, mm-hmm. but the impact on that will be absolutely massive uh, kind of psychologically um, because I think we all need to feel that this is going to end and that we're going to be able to have some way of kind of interacting with with kind of other other kind of human beings mm-hmm. um so i've probably forgotten the kind of question but it's about we need to have a sense of connection so how do we have a connection in the time of COVID? well there's you know if you look at the kind of housing um kind of stock in in kind of scotland as a whole it's a real kind of mixture isn't it mm-hmm. there's kind of blocks of flats there's kind of detached houses semi-detached we need to find ways to enable neighbors to uh, kind of connect with one another safely so for example i'll arrange to have a very safe chat with my neighbor across a very long corridor in a very kind of windy corridor um and we both live alone and that kind of helps us kind of feel um kind of feel connected when i go out for my walk my regulated exercise i'm kind of uh, you know, holding eye contact with people and, and kind of nodding or, um, you know, you're having a kind of conversation at a, a kind of distance in in passing. You know, researchers, so there's a, a kind of brilliant researcher, a woman from University of Essex called Gillian Sandstrom, who's done some really interesting work on kind of ad hoc connections, basically. So these connections that kind of um, kind of spring up usually pre-COVID in our kind of daily lives. Well, our daily lives are evolving. How do we then build in safe conversations um, that enable people to kind of interact and share, uh, you know, and feel heard and feel seen? I think that's that's kind of really um, that's kind of really important. You know, again, pre-COVID, one of the things that we kind of talked a lot, a lot about was the kind of the built environment about um, enabling people to kind of connect uh, sort of kind of with, with one another. And perhaps as a society, we need to have a look at, you know, the issue of green space. You know, we know that if you're kind of more affluent, you've got more access to uh, kind of more immediate kind of green space. If you're in kind of more deprived areas where you're going to be harder hit by COVID, um, there's less kind of green space available. So you know, there's a bigger challenge for us ahead if COVID is going to be with us for, for a number of years, which it could be. How do we start investing in ensuring that there are safer outdoor kind of spaces, particularly in those areas of, of deprivation that would allow people to interact in a, in a kind, of safer, um, kind of safer environment? We need to, like, there's the brilliant um, kind of Scottish Government um, project, which is no one is left behind, that they're working with SCVO, in others to kind of support, I think at the moment, the numbers are about 9,000 people uh, across Scotland to get the tech and get the support to enable them to uh, become digitally um, sort of engaged, which would allow them to say, for example, order food or be able to kind of chat um, sort of, you know, with people. But combating loneliness really is, is a kind of mixture of things. It's about enabling people to kind of maintain their existing um, sort of connections that they that they have. It's about enabling them to kind of make new ones, and that might be ad hoc connections within that. And it's about enabling people to uh, be kind to themselves and how they view uh, themselves, and therefore be able to kind of interact with people in a kind of more equal kind of playing field, as opposed to um, 
the over-awareness of, of, of the feeling of rejection being likely or identifying as a, as a person who is, is lonely. It's just that we all experience loneliness at different times and for different lengths of time and different intensities, but it will pass. But we as a society need to ensure that it will pass by putting in place mm -hmm. the supports um, that, are, that are needed and be really proactive in, in reaching those who perhaps haven't engaged with the kind of third sector um, at all. I'm really interested in what you're saying about the ad hoc connections. I feel like with physical distancing, sort of things you're talking about of walking past someone and, and smiling and not necessarily knowing them or having a quick hello, is not, at least I say anecdotally, happening so much. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by, by that. I'd like us to kind of do a little bit of kind of digging mm -hmm. into that because I know that um, when I had a great deal of social anxiety when this happened I hadn't I didn't feel that I had that experience before when the kind of lockdown happened because I'm on a higher risk category I was reluctant to to kind of go out and I knew that when I was going out I was actually avoiding people's eye, eye contact because I was sending out a signal that I didn't really know who they were I wasn't kind of um so I think that was a bit of a human fight or flight response I think has kind of been activated I think we're all going to be um not to over dramatize it but there might be aspects of a, of a kind of collective trauma that we, we're kind of all going through um at, at the moment in terms of how we do interact with people and i think we're going to have to be proactive for those that can to kind of you know start having that kind of human connection that sort of kind of nodding and whatever but there will be people for whom this will be very difficult and very triggering mm -hmm. i think there's a huge um kind of mental health iceberg that we're kind of looking at here we're only partly seeing the kind of the top of that people who will have to be supported in whatever the transition is um and and you know when we come out of the this other the other side of whatever this is giving people kind of support and buddying up to kind of try and encourage them and support them in being able to kind of re-engage with with the outer world yeah because i mean you're totally right it's not um we're not going to finish lockdown and it's going to snap back to what society was before at all is it there's going to be so many impacts uh, and so many un unintended and indirect impacts of covid which at this point we can speculate about but we may not uh, realize until yeah. until the situation comes exactly I think what you're saying about uh, maintaining those social connections about how loneliness won't suddenly go away as soon as you can see your neighbor again <laughs> um is, is a really important consideration and i think the other the other thing to kind of think about is that we someone said we're all we're all in the same storm but we're all in very different boats and there'll be people who prior to this didn't have kind of social connections that they felt that they could rely on or didn't want to be seen as a burden. That's something that, that we've heard a lot of time from a lot of older people is that fear of being seen as being a burden has, has kind of stopped them from, uh, from, from reaching out. So I think there's a real um, duty on us all for those that can reach out, should, should reach out as opposed to expecting the person who's, you know, having that um, sort of experience to kind of do that. So anyone who has a, uh, a relative who's who is kind of living on their own or a friend that's living on their own I would really encourage you to kind of reach out to that person um, you know particularly because um, it might be a lot harder for them to kind of do 
to kind of you know to do that thing i mean back to kind of personality types i mean again this this piece of work that ucl has done is that you know you could be an extrovert and also experience loneliness but there are it might be more likely in terms of kind of you know if you're introverted if you're experiencing um you know kind of social um sort of anxiety uh, those things will make it harder to and if you're not what they call conscientious if you're not keeping up with people because you think no one wants to really hear from you it's those people I'm particularly worried worried about because they may lack the social capital for one reason or another that that you know that they've not got the networks to um, to kind of rely on and so um, we're all maybe in the same boat we're maybe slightly having a different experience. Think of the in, the psychological impact it will have if there is some degree of return to normality for for some people. Some people's normal will be good, mm-hmm. and some people's normal will be well, it's the same old um, Mm -hmm. and I'm left behind and others seem to be kind of, you know, skipping off into the sunshine. Um, That can have a really uh, kind of negative impact on someone's uh, kind of mental health. Well, thank you, Anne, for speaking to us today. That's been really interesting and informative. And thank you to our listeners. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. You can find the Alliance Live podcast on all major podcast streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Alliance Live also produce webinars, video interviews and case studies. Watch these by visiting www.alliance-scotland.org.uk forward slash live. That's www.alliance-scotland.org.uk forward slash live. To follow along regularly with Alliance Live content, use the hashtag Alliance Live on Twitter.